apologize for my absence. I know I'm not being as consistent as I was hoping. I just got other things to do. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm more occupied on other things. And, uh, I like it. I, I like being busy. Uh, this month I told myself I would do 6,000 crunches and 3,000 push-ups. So far, so good. I'm at, I'm at about 3,000 crunches since we're halfway through June. And I guess 1,000 push-ups. I'm just doing my set numbers each day. So I do 200 crunches and 100 push-ups a day. And yeah, so far so good. I haven't seen results yet. I've been at it for almost two and a half weeks. And uh, they say it takes like three weeks for your body to adapt to uh, changes, like routines, physical routines. So your body at about three weeks will be like, oh, okay, we actually need to start bulking this dude up if he's going to be doing this type of stress on us every day, you know? So that's what's going on. So next week I might start seeing results. What else am I up to? I'm still a, uh, I have two books I have to finish this month. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I'm doing this thing where I read three books a month or 36 books a year. I think that's right. 12 times 3, yeah, 36. Um, and I'm on track. I'm doing really well with that. I have not gotten behind yet. Last month I finished four books. So this month I only have to read two, but I could easily do three again. So I might even be ahead of schedule. Most books suck. <laughs> I think I probably, it's probably 95% nonfiction that I read. So I'm going through a lot of boring books. That's okay. At least, there's going to be at least a couple gold nuggets in each book. You know, it's usually the psychology books for me that I can be enriched in the entire read. And just have so much information to use. But when it comes to books like who like finance or marketing or uh, something a little more sciencey, it's hard to pay attention. It's hard to stay entertained. Um, but every now and then you'll come across a, a nice piece of information that'll do you good in the long run. I'm starting to learn, though, that you, you're not really getting much value by reading so many books a year. You know, I, I think you would get so much more value if you read, like, five – if you read, like, the same five books 20 times. That would probably help you out so much more than actually just reading one book at a time. 30, 36 different books a year. 
you know, for someone like me, I, should, I probably, I probably only process 10%. I, I maybe retain 10% of the information in the book. So someone like me, I, I need to go over it and reread it many times, probably. So I, I, I guess the process I'm going through right now is figuring out which 50 to 100 books should I just like stick to the rest of my life. I probably have maybe 12 books that I definitely would reread again. It's probably less than that, actually. But I've read at least 50 books in my life. Something like that. It's not, I don't know if that's a lot or that's not enough. I'm, I'm 23. 50 books is quite a bit. Especially, I'm definitely above average amongst people, amongst your average person, duh. But uh, I, I feel like amongst people who read already, I feel like 50 books isn't that much. I don't know, to be honest. I should Google that. Like, how, how many books does an average person read a year? But, like, you know, it can be different. Like, your average person, I don't think, would be declared a book reader. But, like, how many books does your average book reader read, you know? It's got to be more. Okay, let's see. Uh, how many books a year does the average? How many books? Okay, let's see. In one of his recent episodes, he talked about how to read a book a week. That's 52 books per year. Do you know how many books the average person reads per year, he said? Literally two or three for the entire year. Yeah, this dude, it's some CEO talking about this. Yeah, that's about right. The average person reads two to three books a year. But I guess they're taking into account, like, the people who don't read at all and the people who will read 50-plus books a year. Or 52 if you read a book a week. That's a lot. I would say the average book reader would read like 15 to 20 books a year. And the average non-book reader will read none. So I don't know. Yeah, two to three books a year, the average person sounds about right. So I'm hundreds of percents ahead of that. So that's cool. But, again, like, how much value am I actually getting out of this? You know, maybe I'll do the second half of this year rereading the good books that I really enjoy. Because honestly, I think I'm, what, at 20 books this year, 20 to 21? And there's maybe three of them that I really enjoyed. The rest of them, you know, most of them were okay. And there were a few of them where I was just like, oh, can we please just finish this? <sighs> I'm going to start, like, if, if there's a book that is that I can't get into by Chapter 5 or something, then I think I'll just put it down and not pick it up again. I might start doing that. I just feel like I'm wasting my time with certain books. But I definitely think people should read more. For sure, everyone could read more.
I'm trying to be on my phone less. You know, I got to the point where I had to give myself a parental control. Where, where I can only be on social media for an hour a day. And after that, it locks me out. And it's been it's been working. Um, I'm doing I'm more occupied in other things because of this. <clears throat> I think this whole time I've been doing this podcast, I've had phlegm from episode one to episode now. But yeah, some people, you know, we like to think we have control of everything, but you know, we actually we need help. We need to realize that. We're very susceptible to giving in to things that are convenient, like phones, you know. I think everyone has a problem being on their phone. Not everyone, but a lot of people. So I think we should, more of us should give ourselves parental locks. It'll help us out a lot. Help me out. I'm in Josh's closet right now, smoking his marijuana. I heard a, a town in California decriminalized mushrooms. It's the second city in America to do so. Who? This is what the the conservatives call a slippery slip. The domino effect. You know, one domino falls and bang, bang, bang. Great. Bring it on. Let's have mushrooms. That'll be amazing. I wonder how many people still have like that old that old person view of mushrooms. Where they never actually learned what it is, but they just hate it anyway. Isn't that the most irritating shit ever? There's still a lot of people like that. But that's one good thing about the internet, about phones. You know, we're a lot more informed. I have this prediction. And my prediction is whenever my generation is in their 70s, I think we will be as equally informed as 20-year-olds when I'm 70. So like 20-year-olds and my 70-year-old self, we will have the same amount of information intake, you know, because today and how historically it's always been, you know, old people get left behind in terms of technology and information, you know, new discoveries, things like that. They just, they don't, they don't upgrade their, their knowledge and it's understandable, but because of the internet, you know, I don't think that will be an issue when I'm old. So that's good. That's a great thing about about technology cuz even now with technology like old people in their 60s and 70s they're on Facebook they're, people like everyone is on the internet now but these are the groups of old people that will have the hardest time with the internet you know we still have a huge issue with older generations sharing misinformation on Facebook because they don't know how to, they just fall for anything. You know, they're just more susceptible to believing in bullshit. You know, there's that whole 
case with the Russian troll farms where they just spread all of this misinformation <clears throat> and it just spread like wildfire, mainly due to old people not doing their research. You know, never just asking, is that true? That's a huge problem. It's a problem with people my age too, but it's a lot more prominent than people like 50 and up. So I try to do my deed and point it out when I can. Because I do have a lot of older friends on my Facebook. And they do, some of them do do that. So I never point out names, but I still try to like... I make a, a broad statement uh, that it's kind of like I'm talking to everyone, but it's really designated for those old people. Another thing, they'll like share an article relating to a hot button issue that's happening today, but the article they're sharing was posted 12 years ago. So they're sharing something from 2008 or whatever. And they think it it just happened on the news this morning. That gets very old. Because I, I always click on it. I always want to see what it is. But I always check the date first. No one checks the fucking date. No one even opens the article half the time. They'll just, they'll share it based off of how clickbaity the article is. How, what the title is. Oh, man. That's something everyone's susceptible to, uh, clickbait, you know. Not just old people, but us too. But when it comes to bullshit information, old people will just <laughs> they eat that shit up. And I'm not talking about opinion pieces. I'm talking about actual false data or data. Uh, data? I think it's data. Whatever. But, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of kinks to to be fixed with the internet, especially with misinformation. And there's a, I think there's going to be a bigger conversation on what constitutes as free speech on the internet. Because this is a whole different ballgame, and this is a big issue right now, especially on YouTube and Facebook, um, with them deplatforming or demonetizing certain people with opinions, like Steven Crowder or Tim Pool or you name it. It's, you know, more politically minded people. It tends to be more uh, conservative channels that get the most shit because they're deemed radical or something. But, uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a, a whole conversation on this. There has to be, you know, because we're, we're applying physical, we're applying laws in the physical world to, to also be applied in the digital world. I just don't think that that's good. I don't think that's correct. I feel like, Different laws should apply in this because this is a whole different ball game. You know, you can be a, a anyone can rise up and just have an audience. You know, it's it's real squirrely for me right now. I don't know what to think, but I don't think it makes sense to have 
a law that was like an amendment that was made in the 1700s to apply to this thing that's only been alive for 20 something years, the internet, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I'm not saying it should be complete. I don't know. (laughs) You know, this is a new thought for a lot of people. You know, this is the first time where conservatives are wanting to regulate businesses. That's a new thing. And that's because of demonetizing, you know, because they're actually getting uh, the shit into the stick from businesses. So it's the first time you're actually hearing conservative people say that, you know, they they shouldn't be allowed to kick me off their website because I have a different opinion than other people, you know, and liberals argue that, you know, it's a private company. They have their own policies to enact and conservatives will argue, well, okay, but Facebook and YouTube, these are basically uh, town square at this point. Everyone is on it. So why shouldn't we treat it how we would treat, you know, life? Because this is basically everyone in one location, which is Facebook or YouTube. These are basically digital locations, it's digital geography. <laughs> and uh, I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't know what to think about it because I can definitely see, like, if someone like – Richard Spencer was able to like get big and popular, which he did for a while. I don't, I, he kind of faded away, which is good. But what if someone like him had a big enough audience and just, I don't know, inspired his followers to do something, you know? Because the problem with having an audience is that at least 1% of that audience are going to be absolute dipshits. And it's going to be – it's the dipshits that ruin it for people like Steven Crowder and Tim Pool. I don't, I don't know many of them, but Steven Crowder is like the main one. He's very conservative, has his own YouTube channel. But like – his fans were attacking this dude named Carlos Monza because they were having this feud, and Steven Crowder called him a lispy queer on his YouTube channel. And then Steven Crowder's fans, his followers, went after Carlos and were, were threatening him. They doxed him. They found out where he lived, and they were just scaring the shit out of him. And that's mainly why Steven Crowder got demonetized, you know, because it's it's the fucking fans that's ruin it. And you're not necessarily enacting violence or telling people to harass this person. They just do it because they're shitheads. And sometimes people should adjust to that small percentage of shitheads that will potentially ruin it for you. You know, you can't just expect everyone who follows you to be clear and concise and interpret you the way you want to be interpreted. You know, sometimes people will positively misinterpret you, which means like they still agree with you, but they're they're processing the information completely not the way you want it 
to be processed. And they just fuck it up. That's the same thing that happened with Milo Yiannopoulos when he was on Twitter. He made this joke uh, towards that that woman. She's on the new uh, Ghostbusters. She's on SNL. She's the black, the African-American female. But he made a joke. And Milo's fans just went after her. They just tore her apart. You know, one dude compared her to an ape. You know, it just got really out of hand. And then they banned Milo off of Twitter because of that. So it's not necessarily what Milo did. It's what his fans were doing. He was inspiring them to be cunts. I don't use that word often, but I did. So that's the problem with having a platform on the Internet. You know, if you get big enough... The bigger it gets, the more likely it is to have dipshits who follow you. It's just, it's just a numbers game. You know, if you're in a room with 100 people, what are the odds that one of those people is an absolute fucking moron? And if you have 6 million uh, subscribers on YouTube, what are the odds that just 100 of them, and that's being conservative, just 100 people are absolute morons? And I feel like those are the people we we should keep an eye on, you know? How it's, – it's just a squirrely situation because how are you able to dumb it down to those 100 people who just go after the person that you have beef with at the time? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's a very complex – situation you know it's new this is a new thing and the problem with it is that if laws do get enacted to help either regulate speech or make it freer on the internet it's going to go too far it usually does like with a new law we tend to go too far with it at first and then we're like what the fuck and we have to like bring it down a little bit you know, Jordan Peterson, he just announced this new website. It's a, I think it's a social media site. It's like ThinkSpot or something like that. Think Tank or it's basically, um, he, his thing is you will not get kicked off of this site. The only way we will have to remove you is if we were ordered by the government. If like, Someone in the government ordered you to order Jordan Peterson, whoever's going to run the site, to take you down. That's when they would ban you from the site. But other than that, you're, it's all everyone can do whatever the fuck they want. And <laughs> I can see this going south fast. I don't think Jordan Peterson has a clue how the internet is, you know? He, I, I, in his head, I'm pretty sure he thinks it's going to be just bunch of intellectuals having friendly debates with each other. I do not think that's what's going to be the majority of the people. I think they'll get infiltrated with racist assholes and people who want to put porn everywhere. I think that's what will happen. There's going to be a small group of smart people who are using it the way Jordan Peterson intended it. 
but I think for the most part, it might just be chaos. Unless you have to pay to be on the site. Maybe if you pay, it might uh, remove far less morons because, you know, morons don't want to pay for things. (laughs) Usually if you have an incentive to pay, you're going to use it to your – you're going to use it wisely. You know, you're going to be careful with it. You don't want to fuck it up. But we'll see. I'm. I'll. I will watch it go down and from afar. Maybe I'll. I'll join. I w- I'm trying to get more into like social media marketing. So if this is a, a new website for social media, you know, this could be a chance to actually get in the game early on before it gets completely saturated. Kind of how Facebook and YouTube and Twitter is. So we'll see. I'll take a gander. But this is a good conversation. Where are we at? Let's take a peek. I've done 25 minutes. That's not bad. It's pretty good. That's a good stopping point. Josh's gonna be here soon. I don't want him to. I don't want to freak him out. Just some dude talking in his closet. Who's there? But yeah. All right. This is good. Later, guys.